appreciate uh, Stephen and the songs that he has led us in, especially that last song. As today we are thinking about prayer, and specifically today we are thinking about Jesus and prayer. In the first lesson this morning in the nine o'clock session, we looked at several reasons why Jesus prayed to his Father. We saw in that lesson that Jesus prayed many times to praise his Father, to thank his Father, to express the unity that he had with his Father as he walked here upon this earth, to express his submission to his Father that he had come to earth to do his will, as well as to offer petitions and uh, supplications for those who were his followers, his disciples. We then thought about where Jesus prayed and found, as the Scripture says to us, that we are to be praying really at all times, that we are to be praying in every place. And that certainly was true of Jesus as he lived here, that sometimes he got away from the crowds of people and he prayed to his Father by himself. There were times that he involved those who were his disciples in his prayer so that they could learn how to pray. And then there were other times when he maybe chose not to get away from the crowds, but he wanted those who were uh, following him, maybe some who were just kind of on the periphery of the crowds and weren't quite yet sure that he was who he claimed to be to see him again and to have a moment, an opportunity to teach about prayer and how important it was in his life and how important it ought to be to us. In our lesson at this particular hour, we're going to continue to learn from Jesus and his life of prayer as we focus specifically at this time on when Jesus prayed. Some of these things that we're talking about today, you may have noticed uh, many times over in your studies of the Gospels. It may be things that perhaps you haven't noticed. I think some of these things, at least for me several years ago, I had just kind of glossed over. But I think every word, of course, of God's Word is important to us. We may not always see the importance right away or the relevance for our life. But certainly that is true when we come to the gospel accounts as they describe for us our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what He did and what He thought and what He said and where He went and all of those things that are important about His life as He walked here upon earth. And I believe that certainly is the case when we think about Jesus and prayer. As we consider this morning when Jesus prayed, I, I believe there are again some things that uh, will jump out at us and some things that we can take home with us and we can use in our own prayers as we talk to our Heavenly Father uh, from day to day, from moment to moment throughout our life that will help us to understand not only the importance of prayer, but will help us to grow, hopefully, in our communication with Him. First of all, we want to notice from the Gospels that Jesus prayed in what I would describe as the quiet times of life. And we're going to look again, as I said to you at the nine o'clock session, going to look at some of the same scriptures that we have already looked at today, but maybe pull some different information out of them. You can turn in your Bible if you have your New Testament with you, first of all, to the Gospel of Matthew. And we looked at this passage already this morning, but I want us to notice again what Matthew says to us in Matthew chapter 14 at verse 23. He says to us there that after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. We mentioned this morning from this passage already that Jesus got away from the crowds and he went up onto this mountain, uh, a, a secluded place, so that he could talk to his Father alone. But notice that it says to us here, Matthew does, that it was evening when he went there. 
Now, he could just be giving us that information because it kind of sets the stage for what comes next. We remember that as Jesus is up on the mountain praying that the disciples are out in the boat on the sea and there is a storm that comes on the sea and Jesus comes to the rescue and he stills that storm and he teaches them about who he is, gives them more evidence that he is the one who is over nature. He is the one who not only created everything that we see in this physical world, but he still has power over that physical creation and to give them an up, another opportunity to build their faith in him being the Christ, the son of God. But I believe it's also significant from the standpoint of what Jesus is doing here up on this mountain that he is praying and he goes on this mountain when it is evening, when the crowds are long gone, when, when everyone has, he has sent them away. Jesus is spending time, as we've already mentioned from this passage in prayer, alone with his father, but he is doing so in the quiet of the evening. Back to the passage that we have already looked at already this morning again from Mark chapter one. Mark chapter 1, we spoke there at the 9 o'clock session about uh, those who had come from the city of Capernaum to be healed by Jesus to the house of, of Peter and Andrew. But notice some information that, that Mark gives us here in verse 35. He says to us, in the early morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Not only what did he have kind of get into the habit or the routine, it seems, of going places in the evening where there might not have been the hustle and bustle of the day, but he was doing that at the very beginning of the day while it's still morning. And Mark makes the point of telling us here, while it's still dark, before the sun came up, that he is leaving this place where there were a bunch of people. He is leaving the city of Capernaum if he is still there. And he's going out and finding this quiet, deserted place to pray. But he's doing that early in the morning before most of the world is awake, before people and, and things are stirring. Jesus is making it a point to start his day by communing with his father in prayer. And then from Luke chapter 6, we looked at a passage in the earlier section from chapter 5 about Jesus and prayer. But notice something that is said to us here in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 at verse 12, Luke says to us there, It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Here he's up on this mountain spending the entire night in prayer to his father. So he's going in the evening, he's going in the morning before the sun comes up, he's going at the nighttime and he's spending that entire time when most people again are resting, they are sleeping, but he is talking to his father. I don't know about you, but I know about myself. Have you ever spent the whole night in prayer to God? I don't think that I have. In fact, I know I have not. I may have spent several hours of the nighttime in prayer to God. There's been times when I have woken up in the middle of the night and have a hard time going back to sleep, and that's a good time to pray. That is a quiet time. But I cannot say honestly that I have followed Jesus' example here. But Jesus understood how important it was that he continued to keep this connection with his Father when he had so much to do during the daylight hours. He was going to take advantage of the nighttime hours. He was going to take advantage of the early morning hours to talk to his father. And I think this is just my thinking because the Bible doesn't tell us one way or the other. 
But just like I believe that it was kind of his habit or his routine, his way of life to get off many times to a mountain, to a wilderness, to a deserted place and talk to his father, I believe that this was probably Jesus' habit, that he probably spent a lot of entire nights speaking to his father, praying to his father. You see, Jesus understood the value of praying during the quiet times of life. When most people were sleeping, Jesus was often praying. He was often in communication with his father. And so I believe as we're thinking about today, the example that Jesus sets for us in prayer, that we need to learn from his example. We need to be people that are truly followers of his We have to look out, we have to seek out times, and we need to do that, I think, on a regular basis to look for those quiet times in life. For some of us, especially given the season that we may be in in life at this particular point in our life, there may not be a whole lot of quiet times. Even if we're at home, there there may be a lot of hustle and bustle, there may be a lot of activity, a lot of noise. We live in a noisy world. So we have to be very intentional, I believe, about that and trying to find the quiet times to pray. For me, it has been my habit for a number of years to do that very early, the first thing in the morning, before my day gets started, before I have uh, all the things that I do throughout a particular day, to just take some time in a quiet place and to pray to God. But Jesus didn't just pray in the quiet times of life. We also see from the gospel accounts that he prayed In the busy times of life, and that was a lot of times for him. If you're still there in the Gospel of Luke, just turn back maybe a page or so in your Bible to chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we read this passage earlier this morning, but let's come back to it again. Luke 5 and verse 15 beginning. Here Luke says to us, But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Even when there was a lot of work for Jesus to do, even when there were a lot of people who needed to be taught the good news about himself being the Savior of the world, even when there were thousands upon thousands of people that were constantly coming to him, wanting him to heal them or heal their relatives, someone that they love, someone that that they were close to, of whatever sickness or disease, ailment that they had. Here is Jesus setting the example for us. He is taking time out of his busy schedule to talk, to pray to his Father. Something that maybe we don't think about as much as we should with Jesus is this. That Jesus didn't live as long as most of us did here upon earth. He probably lived about 33 years as best we can tell. And Jesus in those 33 years really had more to do in less time than most of us do. But yet it is impressive to me as we see in this example as we look through the Gospels and all of these scriptures and others that we could cite today that Jesus always made time to pray. That was a priority in his life. And we all know that about priorities, don't we? If we do not, at least mentally, we don't maybe have to write something down, but it helps a lot of us if we put it on a list, if we put it on our phone, if we put it on the refrigerator door or the door when we're going out to the garage to get in the car, wherever we might pass through every day, that's fine for us to put up those reminders to ourselves, but at least mentally in our minds to have that as a priority in our life That today, whatever else I accomplish or don't accomplish, whatever else I do or don't do, whatever else I say or don't say, then I'm going to make it a priority that I am going to pray to my Father in heaven. 
Jesus had that priority. And Jesus, I believe, set that as a priority because he knew that prayer was vitally important to the success of his earthly mission. He has the greatest mission that could be given to anyone to come and to seek and to save the lost, to come and to not be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so I think we can learn from the example of Jesus in this regard that even in life's busy times, and maybe even especially in life's busy times, when we think we're just too busy, we'll get around to that when things slow down. Then we will talk to our Father. But we learn from Jesus that even in, and especially in, the busy times of life, we need to be communicating to our God. Lest we think that we are too busy to pray, let us look to Jesus, our great example, who was never too busy to pray. He wanted to keep that connection open. Thirdly, as we think about when Jesus prayed, we find through the Gospels that he prayed before what I would call big events in his life. We're continuing here in the Gospel of Luke, so several pages back from chapter 5 to chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. I notice something that, that Luke says to us here about Jesus when he was baptized by John the baptizer. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21 Luke says to us, Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Jesus prayed at his baptism, something maybe that we know, maybe we have kind of overlooked that little detail. Why was he praying? I believe he knew that he was about to began his mission. He was about to accomplish the work for which the Father had sent him into the world. He was about to start his earthly ministry. He was going to spend uh, several years, three or three and a half years of the rest of his earthly life teaching and preaching people about the good news of the kingdom. He was going to heal the sick. He was going to have countless conversations. I think we only probably have a few of those recorded for us in the gospel accounts. But think about the hundreds and thousands and maybe even tens of thousands of people that Jesus would interact with over the next three or three and a half years. This is why I believe at, the, at his baptism, the voice spoke from heaven and publicly declared him to be his beloved son on this occasion. And as we think later to the transfiguration, as we've already noticed a little bit already this morning, that God again speaks those words, but says you need to hear him because he is my son. In chapter 6, uh, we have looked at uh, verse 12, but let's look at verse 13 as well. Luke chapter 6, Luke says to us here, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. This would be a, a humongous, this would be a tremendous event in the life of Jesus Christ of him choosing those 12 men out of all, I don't know how many disciples, how many followers he had at this point, but out of all of them to just choose 12 of them. That would be one of the biggest decisions that Jesus would make because these men would be witnesses, eyewitnesses to the world. They would be messengers that would take the good news of him being the Christ to the world. But notice Luke, I think, is making the point to us here that before he chose the 12, he was spending time in prayer with his father. 
And then we've already noticed this morning from Luke chapter 9 and verse 28 that before he was transfigured, before Peter, James, and John saw that, that he is praying in front of those three apostles, he is providing them again more evidence, undeniable proof that he really is deity, that he is God in the flesh. Jesus was praying. We don't have, of course, the details of those prayers, but I think just taking those events that come after his prayers, there should be a connection that is made in our mind that Jesus understood, I'm about to engage in important work. I'm about to engage in the most important work there could be. And so he prayed to his father. We all face big events in our lives. Sometimes we know when those are coming. Sometimes they come by surprise. But if we know that they are coming, if we know that there is going to be some big change in our lives, some uh, big thing that we are going to have to deal with, whether it is good or bad, before life's events, I believe we can learn here from the example of Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ, before those big events in his life, he sought his father's open ear. He wanted to talk about those things with his father. And so it should be with us that we ought to seek the wisdom of God. We ought to seek the counsel of God. We kind of made this point if you were out here in the adult class with Brother Craig this morning and looking at the uh, life, the example of Lot from Scripture and how we need to seek the counsel, the wisdom of other people. But his first point in that when we have big decisions to make or even little decisions is that we need to seek God. We need to pray to God about that. We need to ask God's guidance, ask God to give us direction so that we will be successful in that. We also see as we look into the gospel accounts that Jesus prayed before teaching opportunities. Going back to the passage that we have already noticed this morning or cited this morning from Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we have read a few of these verses, but let's read a few more here. Beginning once again at verse 35 in Mark chapter 1. Mark says to us, In the early morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons." So Jesus was praying before he had an opportunity to travel around the region of Galilee, to go out from the city of Capernaum, to go to other places, to preach and teach the good news about himself. He knew that he would have opportunities to go and to speak to his own Jewish brethren that would be gathered in the synagogues. There may have been other opportunities as he traveled from place to place that aren't recorded for us in Scripture. But it was surely, I think, at least in my mind, it was surely prayer and the time that Jesus devoted himself in prayer to his father, it is that time and that action that produced great results. As Mark continues telling us here, beginning at verse 40, really down through the first couple of verses of chapter 2, that this leper came to him and he healed the man of his leprosy. And so that word got out at verse 45, and there were a throng of people, just so many people coming that he decided that he was not going to teach anymore publicly in a city, that he was going to go out to those more deserted places. But as he comes back, as chapter 2 opens the first couple of verses there, he comes back to Capernaum. And then there were so many people gathered there, even the young ones here, I think, know this particular account, <laughs> that the man, his friends let him down, the one who was uh, 
paralyzed, let him down through uh, an opening in the roof into the room. But here is Jesus before all of these teaching opportunities. He is devoted to prayer with his Father. Hopefully we are praying for opportunities. Not just individually, but collectively to share the gospel with someone. But how often do we pray before those opportunities? How often do we pray for the faith that we need? Or the courage that we need? Or the wisdom that we need? How often do we pray for receptive hearts before we teach someone the gospel? I have gotten into that habit. I don't know how many years it has been now. But as throughout the week as I am preparing a sermon or working on a class to to stop and to pray at different points as I'm preparing that material and to ask that God would be with me, that my thoughts and my words as I'm putting that material together, that they might truly be God's, that that it might uh, help the audience uh, in some way, that maybe it might be something that is very specific to what someone is dealing with in that particular audience. And then I pray if I'm preaching a sermon on uh, Fridays and Saturdays, And even Sunday morning before I get up here to speak. Whether it's preaching a sermon, whether it's teaching a class, whether it's just teaching our children as parents. Maybe it is a one-on-one opportunity, a personal opportunity that God has blessed us with. That we have to speak to a co-worker, a friend, or a neighbor, or someone that we know about the gospel of Christ. Before we engage in that work, we need to follow the example of Jesus. Oftentimes, even for someone who may have a great knowledge of God's Word. And even Paul, I think, sets a great example for us in that. That's in several letters he writes to Christians, churches, that he is asking them to pray for him and to give him wisdom. If Paul and Jesus were praying for those kinds of things, certainly we need to be that way as well. Let's be like him and think and involve God in the work that we do. And then finally this morning, we notice from the Gospels that Jesus prayed as he suffered. If you go back to the Gospel of Luke, once again, in Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22 is Jesus is here with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke 22, beginning at verse 41, I'm sure a passage many of us have read many times. But notice what Jesus is doing beginning at verse 41. Luke says that he withdrew from them, those three disciples, about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground." I would suggest to you as I have here on the screen that this was the greatest test, obviously. The greatest test that Jesus faced and the greatest test of his entire earthly life was about to begin and still he is here in agony. It says to us that his sweat became like drops of blood, that he was just praying so fervently and so intently and there was an intenseness about his prayer to his father as he is praying, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. And yet he is recognizing, submitting himself to his father again in his will, that it's your will that needs to be done, not mine. And yet even in this great hour of testing and trial and suffering, he is fervently praying to his father Even as he is suffering 
extreme emotional and physical pain as well as just unspeakable shame that probably none of us have ever experienced or even come close to in our life as he is hanging on the cross as that hour begins that he is continuing to pray to his father in Mark chapter 15 and verse 32 of course the famous words that he quotes there from Psalm 22 and verse 1 my God my God why have you forsaken me there's a lot that can be said about that. Maybe I'll preach some, a sermon or two about that at some point. But I don't think that it is the case that, that God is turning his back on him, that God is forsaking him. But he is talking to his father, that there is a connection even here, the intensity of the suffering, the anguish, the pain that he is experiencing there on the cross, and he is crying out to his God. And then from Luke 23 and verse 34, that he is saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do as people are hurling abuse and insults at Him, that He is asking His Father to forgive them of their actions, of their words. And then as He is about to, His Spirit is about to leave His body, at Luke 23 and verse 46, He says, Their Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, there were seven statements that Jesus made or spoke while he was on the cross. And at least these three are directed specifically to his father. Even in those, I, I believe there is a teaching opportunity. There is a teaching moment for those who are at the cross to understand again, to see more evidence that he truly is the Christ, the son of God. But even at this dark hour in his earthly life, even when he is suffering in the extreme, he is still thinking about the relationship he has with his father. And he is still making it a priority to communicate with his father. So even as he suffered one of the cruelest forms of death known to mankind, here is Jesus the Son turning to his father in prayer. There is a great example for us in that, isn't there? Many times when we are suffering, whatever kind of suffering it is, whether we're suffering for being a follower of Christ or whether we're suffering just because we live in a world of sin and we're dealing with some physical ailment or some physical problem, or maybe we're dealing with problems in our family, whatever suffering it is that we are experiencing in the moment, that, that may be just kind of the natural human reaction for us to think that's the last thing I want to do. The last thing I want to do is talk to God about this. The last thing I want to do is stop right here in the middle of this moment and address my father. But we see that is exactly what Jesus did. And so I believe he provides us a great pattern, a great example to follow. As we suffer, and surely we will, as we suffer in this life, let us be people who are reaching out to our Father. Let us be people who are praying to him. Well, all of the scriptures that we have looked at today show us, I believe, that, that Jesus' earthly life was most definitely a life of prayer. It is not something that he did occasionally. It's not something that he did just when he was in a bind or in a bad situation. But it was a priority for him. It described his earthly life. He truly was one who prayed to his father at all times. Do we do that? It's there as we look at our prayer life, as we often describe it, with our God. Is, is there some deficiency? Is there some inadequacy in that? Are we ill-equipped? Do we see areas in which we can grow? And I believe if we're all honest with each other, we can say, yes, <laughs> we need to grow. I need to grow as a Christian. 
And it is like all of our growth as Christians, it never ends. But let us look to the example of Jesus Christ. Because as we've already thought about this morning, because Jesus Christ came to this world and he went to the cross of Calvary and he laid down his life willingly and joyfully for each one of us, those of us who follow him have a multitude of blessings. But one of those blessings is the blessing of prayer. What about you this morning? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you're not, you don't have access to any of these blessings. You don't have the promise. You don't have the privilege that your Heavenly Father will hear you and answer your prayers if you try to pray to Him. But as a child of God, you can have that blessing. Even this very hour, your life can be completely changed and you can be in a right relationship with Him. As we're about to sing the song that Brother Stephen has selected as our song of invitation and encouragement, I am praying for you. If you're not a child of God, those of us who are children of God, our prayer for you this morning is that you would turn your life over to Him, that you would make the decision right now this morning that you want to come and follow Jesus, that you're going to devote the rest of your earthly days to being more like Him. If we can help you in that regard, if you need to respond to the invitation of our Lord in any way, won't you do that as we stand and as we sing?